All right, so listen, uh, right now, put in your comments. Mom says she's watching from Rayford, and she, just in case no everybody didn't know, she wrote, it's Mom from Rayford. <laughs> mom. Hi, Mom. My wife, Nicole, says hi from Eagle Creek. So we thank you for being here. Share the broadcast, like, subscribe, hit the bell button. If you have any questions, today is Q&A day. Uh, feel free to put up any questions. We will seek to answer them. I am not going to promise that we will answer them, but uh, we will try to answer all of those. So uh, Rachel says, hello from here. And uh, I think, do we have a lower third to put that up about oh, the yeah. questions? There you, there you go. go. Put your questions in the comments below. <laughs> Drop them in the comments. And uh, so go ahead and we'll try to keep up with those and answer as many as we have. So who has our first question today? I, so something that came Shocking. Up, I'm sorry. Marky I has know, a question. I know. <laughs> I always have so many questions. Um, oh, Kelly Friday said yes right next to Brandon. Yes, I think I know where Riverview is. Okay, so my first question is when you, something that came up recently is talking about, we were talking about yesterday, a few people were talking about strong emotions. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask a practical question. Today we kind of wanted to talk about practical questions. I wanted to ask a practical question. When you feel a strong emotion, what is the first thing that you do to get out of that? Like if you feel it, if people around you are starting to, let's say somebody comes in conflict with you or, or there's an issue or something yeah. and you can feel, I know you've had a lot of practice over the years of putting it down, but what, what have you taught yourself to, to put down that strong emotion and not act on it even when it's trying to influence you? How do you practically well, that down and, and, the first the first spirit. thing to do is recognize that strong emotion in itself is not necessarily bad. So um, now I would say most of the strong emotion that the majority of people have felt is bad because it's we're so used to moving by the flesh and not by the spirit. Yeah. What I've found in my experience, the majority of people, even in the church are moved not by the Spirit of God, but by the flesh, including their mind, will, and emotions. And so they're not used to living by the Spirit. And so uh, that's in the church, so even much more so in the world. And so the majority of strong emotions that most people come up against, I would say, are bad, but that doesn't mean all of them are. For example, when we see in the Bible where it says Jesus was moved with compassion, that was a strong movement of compassion by the Holy Spirit because he only did what he saw the Father do. So if he was moved with compassion, the Father was moved with compassion and the Spirit drove that compassion. That's a strong, passionate emotion that was right. Uh, so that one of the first things you have to do is learn what is of the Spirit and what is of the flesh or of the world or of corruption. So you have to learn to discern between the two. Well, to discern between the two, you've got to know the Word, and um, you have to practice. You need to practice that. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier this week, being prepared and not waiting for the battle to load your weapon. So yeah. if you are constantly practicing moving and being led by motion and by the flesh, then when it comes to being in a situation where there's strong emotion, you're going to fall into your default. And so you have to change that default and transform your mind by the renewing of the washing of the water of the word like Romans 12, right? Uh, Romans 12 verse 1 and 2. Put those in the comments. So, um, But you see that if we don't renew our mind and transform our thinking, then we will have strongholds or ruts of thinking and living by those emotions and passions. So in order to stop doing that and falling into a corrupted or a worldly or a fleshly passion or emotion, uh, you have to transform your mind ahead of time. And you have, to, you have to see that those things, the reality of both sides of the, those passionate Emotions. You have to see the reality of a corrupted emotion and a spirit-led emotion. They are real. They are there. And I need to make it my default to be led by the Spirit because Romans 8, I believe it's Romans 8, 6, uh, says that those that are led by the Spirit of God, uh, they will find life and peace, but the ones who are led by the flesh will find death. 
right? Yeah. And so one of the things, we don't want to be led by the flesh. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. And so we have to recognize that there's a difference, and we have to start practicing putting our emotions down and letting the Holy Ghost lead us. So, you know, you asked me a question of how do you know when to say something and when not to say something, and my answer was that just like when I'm being led to pray in the Spirit, so if I'm praying in the Spirit, the, praying in the Spirit is one of the greatest exercises that any believer can operate in. Because yeah. what you have is you have the Holy Spirit ministering or communicating to my inward man, to my spirit. So there's a communication from the Spirit to my spirit, and then I will act on what he says. So if he gives me syllables, I will pray out those syllables. Well, that same, that same flow of action is in every action. So uh, if I'm sitting in a crowd and things are going on and everybody else is reacting, but I don't sense the Holy Spirit reacting to it, I don't react. So as even he, if like even so if logic is saying you've got to do something, no, we've got to learn how to be led by the Spirit more than we're led by emotions or peer pressure or anything like that. So first of all, recognizing the difference. Second of all, really getting to our default of being led by the Spirit of God. That Remember, Jesus never did anything but what he saw the Father do. So yeah. that means even when his flesh wanted to do something, right, he didn't do that. He only did what the Holy Spirit was leading him that the Father was doing. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He had to operate the same way that we operate. And as he did that, he was in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. So the issue is that most people have been, have been trained that you just do what feels right to do to you. Do what do what's in your heart. Yeah. But the problem is, if our heart is corrupted, or the core of who we are is not transformed to the fullness of godliness, then what's in your heart could be wrong. And so we have to recognize that and see that and work on that and really practice ahead of time being led yeah. by the Spirit of God and then moving on that leading yeah. and that leading only. And that'll save us so much trouble. So You kind of mentioned it right there. And I remember hearing it in your podcast that you did once about uh, praying in the Spirit. But I think it's so interesting. I, don't, I think you're one of the only people I've really heard say it like this, but that praying in the Spirit taught you how to be led by the spirit yeah like it it taught you because when i've i've i hadn't thought of it that way i, I just yeah. thought they, they it couldn't really teach me how to flow in that way of just this is something i yeah this is something yeah. separate there's not really a learning process from it but you've explained and you mentioned that that there's well a, you can learn i mean just from my experience what happened i didn't know this was going to happen but obviously the lord did um but he he put me on a path to pray in the spirit all the time. And so as I would pray in the spirit, you know, by praying in the spirit, what's happening is the Holy Spirit's given us the words or the syllables for us to use. And as we would pray, as I would pray in the spirit, I would sense, you can put that, that up here, <laughs> but um, as I would pray in the spirit, um, I would sense what those syllables or those words were yeah. And then I would speak those out. So I was doing this, you know, 24-7. Well, then I'd get into a situation and I'd, I'd have to decide what to do. So what is it that's needed in this moment? What's the wisdom of God? All of a sudden, I would sense his leading and it would, it would the I don't like saying feel because we always, we, we connect feeling with physical, but yeah. In the spirit, I felt the same sense that I felt when he was giving me those syllables of what to speak. And I was like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. And so I recognized this is the Lord speaking. And that sense of leading was the same. Oh, that's the Lord. And then, you know, at first I wasn't sure of that, but I did. I recognized it. I noticed it. But then as I'd go on down the road, I saw what he was leading was the right thing. 
And as I started to practice that, I'd be in the right place at the right time. And I was like, oh, this is him leading me. And, it, and the sense of it is the same as when I'm, in, uh, when I'm praying in the Spirit and receiving those syllables. And so I realized that what he taught me was not just how to pray, but how to hear from him and how to be led by him. And oh my goodness, has that been beneficial. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it, that's not what I thought would happen. I didn't even think about it at first, but over time... It grew in that place. And I realized that a lot of people had no idea what being led by the Spirit is. And I'm not talking about, you know, just everyday people. I'm talking about leaders like pastors and, you know, ministers. They had no idea. And it really shocked me. It actually discouraged me because I started to realize they don't know. They don't know. They're leading people, and they don't even know how to be led by the Spirit of God. And and then I saw the wisdom of my obedience to God and the wisdom of God to lead me to pray in the Spirit all the time early on. And I went, oh, man, Lord, you are so wise, obviously. Uh, but you are, you have really put me into something here, and you've really helped me out. So what would have happened if I wouldn't have followed his command to pray like that all the time? Mm-hmm. Of course, he commands all of us to pray like that because he said, pray without ceasing. Yeah. He tells us, be filled with the Spirit, pray in tongues. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all, yeah. right? It's something we should be doing, and that's why the devil fights it. Because you start stepping into that, mm-hmm. uh, you open up a whole nother level uh, uh, you open up just a, a whole new level of walking in godliness that most people have not walked in. So, do you have a question? I actually do. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I believe it was yesterday. Um, you know, and this kind of falls along with you know the emo- like heavy emotions. How do you react and respond or respond in those situations? Yeah, while he's doing that, again, yeah. if you have questions, put them in. Uh, put them in the comments. So yeah. Um, so. So I, I had a question because yesterday you were talking about um, how you trained yourself to make decisions quickly. Um, uh, and I, I've found myself in certain, like a cer- certain situation would rise up where I need to make a quick decision. And all of a sudden I would just shut off. Like my brain would shut off and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do now? You know, yeah, Instead, and then I have to start processing through everything. And yeah. that, that basically prolongs my ability had prolonged my ability to make a quick decision based, you know, yeah. in the spirit. How did, uh, I guess my question is, how did you train yourself to make those deci- those quick decisions when, when you needed to make them? Well, um, that's a combination of things. And, and some of that was not my doing. Some of that was from my dad. Um, he, I didn't realize, and I don't know if he realized it uh, when he was doing it. I don't know if he was just mimicking what maybe his dad did, mm-hmm. uh, but I definitely recognize it now, and as an adult, I recognize it, and I applied it to our kids growing up. And this, as an adult, you can really help your kids with this, is um, it, I would say it started there now, and I'll tell you what that is, but then I took that as an adult and I advanced in it. I, I sought to grow in that, and I can tell you all those pieces. And it's important. Um, uh, it's important about decision making and learning to make a decision and uh, being okay if you make the wrong decisions too. Don't be in fear over making the wrong decision. Uh, now, that doesn't mean to lightly esteem the things of God. If it's in other words, if it is a life-changing decision, I, I don't make a quick decision on that. I make sure that I have heard from the Lord. I don't go buy a house. I don't go buy a car. I don't change churches. I don't you know, unplant myself or plant myself. I don't go change jobs. I don't move across the country. I don't do any of that kind of stuff that's life-changing. And sometimes life-changing is simply like, uh, dropping out of uh, Bible school, you know, things like that. That can be life-changing. Um, uh, I watch people just make decisions, and they, they make them flippantly, and they think it has no bearing on their future, and it actually will completely change their their life. Um, I've seen people that just change jobs and don't realize that sets them on a completely different track. So if it's a, li- if it's a life-changing decision, and sometimes those decisions are smaller they look smaller than they are to a lot of people. So that's why it's really good to have the counsel of a pastor. But if it's not a life-changing decision, 
learn how to make a decision and live with the results of it even if you're wrong it's okay you know it's a part it's a part of growth you're asking the lord for wisdom you need to make a decision it's not a life changing decision make a decision you know learn did you did you give it your best shot did you pray about it did you seek the lord on it do you have you know your your facts in place and to make a good decision make a decision go with it if you miss it you miss it and the people that have a problem with you missing it sometimes, it's their issue, not yours. So and being comfortable with that is good. And you'll see me with that here. I'll tell you, hey, guys, let's not do this again. But, you know, make a decision. Okay, that was the wrong one. Okay, well, whoop de doo You learned something, didn't you? You know, good. And you, you made a decision. I'm really pleased with you for making a decision. So one of the best things about making a quick decision and being, being able to flow with the Holy Ghost in your decision-making is not being scared to make a wrong decision. You know, you don't want... So one of the things that we'll say in our leadership is we, we will celebrate noble failure, but not chronic failure. So what that means is if you sought to do your best and you find that it was the wrong decision, good job for sticking your neck out and for not being afraid, right? Yeah. And, and because if an organization is constantly like ripping people a new one for sticking their neck out, well, they're going to stop thinking outside the box. They're yeah. going to shut down That's productivity. Me a yeah. That's me a I, I heard uh, actually Elon Musk uh, made a, you know, he, he's not saying it from a Christian perspective, but it was very good. But he was saying that uh, we, we don't look. He said, if you always make the decision without sticking your neck out, you completely kill innovation. Now, he said it, I'm paraphrasing, but you kill innovation, so you'll never be a company that's innovative that people are talking about. Yeah. And I thought, what a great, what great thing. So one of, the, one of the biggest things of creating a decision maker and being able to make quick decisions is being able to break the fear of making a decision, you know. Now, if you're chronically failing, you know, if if you're making the same mistake every single day, that is not celebrated, you know. That's not, or you're expecting to fail. That's not celebrated, you know. Uh, but if it's a noble f- failure, in other words, this is not what I was shooting for, but it ends up there, then all of a sudden you, you celebrate that because that person stepped out. That's one of the big things about making quick decisions. Um, don't be a, don't be afraid of stepping out. That's what I see with Peter. You know, if you look at the life of Peter, he was not afraid to make a mistake. He would step out of the boat. You know, now he sunk, <laughs> but he also walked on the water and was the only one. You know, he stepped out of the boat. This was he was not afraid to make that decision. That's what made him God's man, right? Yeah. That's what made him God's man. And you see that uh, many of the heroes of the Bible were not afraid to step out. Moses was not afraid to step out against Pharaoh, even though his life would have been plush. But he saw and had faith in God that even though my life, I could stay with Pharaoh and I'm, I'm set, you know, I'm Pharaoh's son. I'm set. But he stepped out against that. He wasn't afraid to take a stand and make and make a decision, and he and he did that. So yeah. um, you see that in many of the heroes. So now another thing, and this is what my dad did, and I've I've now and I do it with y'all all the time. You know whether you recognize it or not, but is and and it's why I'll say if you're going to get around me, you're going to get stretched. I'm going to stretch you. And what I <laughs> I heard an accurate right? accurate. But my and there's a reason for that, because what my dad would do would he would allow I was thinking about this this morning. Um, Here's a good thing for ministers and people. Don't save people from the conviction of God. Don't save people from the conviction of God. Um, Don't don't say save them from the enemy. Save them from uh, a horrible situation, from calamity. But don't save them from the conviction of God. God's putting yeah. conviction there for a reason. Don't save them from a growth moment, mm-hmm. right? Don't yeah. save them from that. Mm-hmm. Let the growth happen, yeah. right? Yeah. Let it happen. And so that's what my dad would do. He would constantly create growth moments around us. And when the pressure came on, when the pressure came on, um, he wouldn't save us from that. He'd, he'd 
force us to make a decision, so to speak. You know, he'd allow us to make a decision. And if we melted, then we would recognize that our meltdown from the pressure made it worse. So he did that in small areas when we were little. He would allow that to happen, and he wouldn't save us from it. But he would teach us, okay, what did you learn in that? You know, what, what could you do better? So then he'd start asking us questions, and we would learn, okay, if I, I can't melt down. This is not really an option in this. You know? Don't quit. Don't stop. You know? yeah. I, I can't melt down in this. I can't shut down. And, but, okay, how did, what's going on? And he would help, help us think through that process. And uh, to other people, it looked uh, cruel. You know, it looked rough. It looked like pressure. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that now because, and my brother and I have talked about this quite a bit, um, when it comes to pressure situations, like I'm, he and I are probably not the best when everything's going well. He and I are the best when it's under fire. Like when that pressure comes in, we excel. Like we just, we hit a place of peace and that, that pressure comes in. It's like this glory comes out of it. And part of that is the training of my dad. Part of that is our calling as well. It's a blend of both, but it, you know, and he noticed it when he was in uh, different military situations. I've noticed it in, in pastoring and in military situations. I would actually, it, it's like that it's like um, almost like a submarine is leaky when it's at the top of the water, but you put it under pressure and it seals up, you know, and all of a sudden it stops all the leaks because of that pressure. And that's kind of the way we were. So one of the things that you see is that he would, it, this is a good example of it, the horse biting corn. All right. You know what a horse biting corn is? And it's a, a horse, my family knows what it is. A horse biting corn. No, it, that's not it. But I tried. I experienced it yesterday by yeah. Pastor Nicole. Yeah, she got you. So it's when you're riding in the car. I, I think I did it to you once. Riding in the car, you're sitting in the passenger seat, and all of a sudden your dad reaches over and grabs right here on your knee ah. and just cranks down on it, right? And it's like, ah, you know, like this. Well... You know, what I've done, the girls and Luke now know if I'll relax, he'll let go. Mm. But as long as you're fighting it, he'd hold on. Learn. And what was that doing? That was training us to settle our mind in the midst of a pressure. Mm. Now, that seems like such a simple thing, but I'm telling you, it has an effect as an adult. And where I've watched people blow up. Because they can't take any pressure. And it seems like such a little thing. So, you know, he would do stuff like that all the time. That would help me learn how to make a decision, no matter what pressure I'm feeling from other people. No, we've got to make the right decision here. I don't care. I, well, I'm going to take my tithe, and I'm going to take my big tithe away from the church. It doesn't matter. I've got to do what this word says. I, I, don't, I don't care about that. You know, the Lord will provide for what you take away, you know, yeah. you, and, and so that's where you have to learn how to make that, make that. So Barrett said, don't people, don't save people from a horse bite, <laughs> yeah. a horse eating corn. Yeah. <laughs> with the, uh, don't save people from the conviction of God. I've gotten to see just within the leadership team, uh, like, uh, disciplining their kids or you disciplining your, like Luke or whatever, that moment of correction. And then I I've heard you say to other people, don't like don't touch like like Luke if you're correcting Luke I've heard you say to the girls don't go over there and hug him while yeah. he's getting corrected yeah don't, don't coddle those feelings of pity me you yeah. know don't coddle that he needs to deal with that he needs to learn how to process it where to file it and let that process, let that growth take place. I'm not, it's not that I'm not saving him from something dangerous. I'm teaching him how to file those emotions and put them in their place and recognize them for what they are. It's a reality. You know, it's a practical teaching. So, you know, and now with that, of course, I recognize that as an adult, I went, oh my goodness, because I started to see how when pressure would come, I would... I knew, I knew how to respond, and my friends didn't know how to respond. And I watched adults not know how to respond and not know how and make horrible choices under pressure, which is another thing. Under pressure, for the most part, 
don't make life-changing choices under pressure. And that doesn't mean that two minutes from now you can't make a decision. What it means is get peace before you make the decision. You can still be in the situation, but you make sure you're at peace in your heart. So I will back off, and that goes back to the bias. So you've got emotions, you have bias, you have the pressure, peer pressure, you have all this other pressure. I've got to separate myself to make a good decision. I separate myself from my own bias. I separate myself from the emotion. I separate myself from any pressure. Jesus, you are the author of my peace. I'm in you. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And now I can make a good decision. Even in the midst of pressure, I can have that. But what you want to do is you want to, in combined with the leading of the Holy Spirit in the moment, even with pressure around you, and not being fearful to make a decision. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. I miss it, you know. Lord, I, I throw myself on your altar of mercy. You know, I need your mercy. Um, but I'm seeking to do the right thing. And then... What you were saying the other day is I learned, I started practicing how to quickly, quickly look at things. And I would, if I had a situation come up afterwards, I would meditate on that situation. So like the situation where Luke's, I'm napping, I'm in a deep sleep, he's there, you know, he's in my face and waking me up. And all of a sudden somebody's right here and it's blurry and I can't focus on it real quick. How do you, you know, I can... What I would do was I, I would be I would meditate on that and I'd go back through every step. What what can I do? So one thing I can do is while I'm sleeping, I can even though I'm sleeping, let my mind be aware that that who's in the room. Because honestly, like subconsciously, you know who's in the room for the most part. You would know I heard his voice, I heard his laugh. And so I can I can literally in other words, I can my brain can give me that information just like that if I'll access it. If all I do is move by what I see and my emotions, then I would punch, you know. But if I can, if I can learn how to actually utilize my mind and utilize that and meditate on, meditate on what was going on. Okay, this is, this is Luke. Do I have a split second before I, I would make a punch at my son who woke me up from the middle of a dead sleep and he's in my face? Um, I can. I can wait that split second. Uh, Odds are I don't need to move that fast. Let me get as clear as I can. And I train myself to quickly observe what's there as I meditate on that. Now, that just takes some practice. I don't really know how to tell you to do that except that you, you want to focus on coming to a quick solution, analyzing a room quickly. So when I walk into a room, I'll scan every person. I'm looking at their body language. I'm looking at their face. Where are they coming from? You know, who's, who's the, got the anger issue? Who is, who is, uh, you know, right with God? I'm analyzing all of that. Who, where would be the hot points? You know, uh, we were in a situation just last night and there was like three people that I was analyzing that could be hot points and be people that could do the wrong thing or take the wrong action. And so I'm watching them throughout the night. I'm, I'm knowing who they are because I want to, even if they seem to be on my side, they could quickly not be on my side because they flew off the handle. So I'm analyzing that. I'm thinking through that process and I'm asking the Lord to give me insight and discernment because I, who cares what I can see and think about? God sees it all. I need his discernment. So I'm at praying in the Holy Ghost. Lord, you know, show me what I need to do. That way, if a situation comes up, I'm already prepared. I kind of know what the pieces are on the table before anything happens, which gives me a good uh, decision-making ability. Mm-hmm. That's a long answer. <laughs> Do you, do you have a question, or should we look at the questions We're, in the comments? Well, we have a couple questions in the comments. We too. do. Okay. Huh? Oh, Barrett says she's got the question. Okay, Barrett, go ahead. Right there. It's right there. Oh! oh I can just say it. I'm right now, guys. I wasn't expecting it. Okay, question number one. This comes from Kevin Nanowicki. Why is submission to authority so important in the kingdom of God? Why is submission to authority so important in the kingdom of God? <laughs> well, uh, number one... It is what God told us to do. 
That's why it's important. If you love me, he says, you'll keep my commandments. Um, number, so number one, God said it. Number two, we see in James 4 and we see uh, in 1 Peter 5 that when we submit ourselves to the ways of God, grace and greater grace is released. So there, when we submit ourselves to authority, which is the way of God, um, we literally release power and favor in our lives. And so how many people want more power of God and more favor of God in your life than you want to submit yourself to authority? Uh, number three, uh, by submitting ourselves to authority, it actually is a good uh, net under our life so that it can catch us if we fall. Without submission to authority, then every decision we make, we're on our own. But with, if we're submitted to authority and we submit those decisions, then it actually is a safety net. Like when you go to the circus and there was the, the high wire guys and they'd have the net underneath. Mm -hmm. if, they make a, if they slip, there's that net. So authority, a spiritual authority in your life is like that. Um, uh, uh, now, I will say a spiritual authority is not... The, is not the Holy Ghost himself, however the Holy Ghost can speak through him mm -hmm. or her, right? But they're not, and they should not tell you what to do. Yeah. They should confirm, yeah. all right? They should confirm. Now, that doesn't mean that I can't have a prophecy that tells you what to do, but that can either be, if I have a word from the Lord and it is the Holy Ghost, I can prophesy into your life and plant a seed for something that'll come up later, mm -hmm. okay? So it's seed planting. It's not telling you what to do. It's planting the seed for later. You know, you're called to do this or you will move in this later on in your life, that kind of, so it plants a seed or it confirms what God's already telling you. So I've had times where people have spoken in my life, I had no idea that God wanted me to go down that path, but they planted the seed. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through them and planting that seed. Uh, and then over time, that came to fruitfulness, okay? But it was the seed planted when I didn't even know that that was available, okay? Uh, so another thing is that they will confirm. In other words, now the Lord's talking to you, Lord's talking to you. He's giving you uh, some direction, giving you some instruction, and then somebody comes in as a spiritual authority that you're submitted to, and they say, I see you doing this, and you go, that's exactly what the Lord, now that's confirmation, okay? That helps you to know, yes, that is God. But then probably one of the largest areas is when you feel like you are having leading, when you feel like you're having leading, uh, to go and seek wise counsel before you ever cement that leading. That's a big key because once you cement that leading, you're, you, you throw wise counsel out the door. You remove the safety net. Okay. Yeah. So when you have a thought, I think God may be leading me to do this. That's immediate. You go immediately to your spiritual leadership and submit. Because if you don't do that, the more you meditate on it, the more it'll get solid in your soul, it will become a stronghold. Good or bad, it'll become a stronghold. And then if it's bad and you go to a spiritual authority to get confirmation, but you've already said it in your mind, they have to break that up and it's going to look like they're going against God to you. And so it, they're there as a safety net and not to tell you what to do, but to help you because a good spiritual leader should be more experienced. Mm -hmm. uh, they should know more of the word and have worked with it and it had experience in that. Yeah. Um, not too long ago, I was talking to some people about the leading of God and I, and I brought up like five or six different variables that they didn't even know about. You know, uh, it actually, this, this, happens quite a lot. Um, did, well, what about this about being led by God? Oh, I, I didn't know that was there. What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? Why? Because I've had experience with it and they weren't even aware that that was a thing, right? And so you try to make decisions without knowing those variables. That's why it's really important uh, to have a spiritual authority that like Hebrews six twelve says, by faith and patience have received the promises of God. Uh, not just talked about them, but they're actually receiving them and walking in them. So a spiritual authority is really a, a great 
a direction, vision setter, and safety net in your life. And those are the reasons why it's so important. So off the top of my head now, the word. So. Well, it, it reminds me of a passage. I, I forget exactly where it is, but the Bible says, you know, obey and honor those authorities. So that it may go well with so you. So that it may go well with yeah. you. You know, it's it's beneficial. It's not pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's beneficial for the kingdom. It's yeah. but it, but it's also Somebody beneficial for me. Somebody find that verse, me. please. Yeah. yeah, it's beneficial for me. Yeah. So, you know, for, to yeah, obey to, those yeah. authorities over you, so that it may go well with you. And specifically yeah. talking about spiritual authorities. Yeah. Which which means if I have an idea, you know, let's imagine you're you know going on you're going through life, right? And you're in the middle of your life. Are there things that you will know more at the end of your life that you don't know in the middle? Yes. So there's obviously, if you're, if you know anything about God and how big he is, there's obviously growth potential. So there's obviously things I don't know. And a spiritual authority generally is in between where you are and where you can be. And they will see and know more things. And so a lot of times people will start seeing things or hearing things, but they don't know all the variables in play. And they'll make a decision. Mm -hmm. They'll make a decision without checking with that spiritual authority. Whereas the spiritual authority could ask them more questions here to clarify it. They could ask them questions and clarify so that this person, two things also, not only can it help protect you, but it can give you better resolve. Mm -hmm. So when you answer more of those questions and have more of those variables put in the right place, it's like, no, I know that God told me to do this instead of, I think he told me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've had yeah. many times where I feel like, okay, I think the Lord is kind of highlighting this, mm-hmm. and then I've brought it to spiritual authority, and they're able to really refine it and, and yeah. expound on it to where, for me, it was kind of like a, a little bit of a highlight. It then became yeah. something big that I could stand on. And now when you have resolve, you can stand in faith through it, and so you're going to see more victories than you did before because you have a resolve on it and you have a confirmation not only in your own heart but you have your spiritual authorities confirmation on it too yes you should do this go you got this and when it gets tough that resolve will help see you through it and stand having done all stand yeah yeah amen amen um so we have uh, another question from kelly berardi um i believe do you guys have that ready i'm pulling it up real quick oh here it is all right, here it is. Um, or here it is. Do you want to get it? Sure, I got it first, buddy. Boom. Well done. <laughs> We've got the questions ready on standby. Oh, yeah. Kelly Berardi asked, "How do you balance work and rest so that you're preventing resting too much and becoming lazy, but you also don't want to work too much and wear yourself out?" Good question, Kelly. Great question. <laughs> well done. Back. To you. Uh, that is a great question, and understand with rest that there's. Two different parts to rest. Number one is a spirit of rest or a mindset of rest. In other words, you even it goes back to the pressure thing. Even while under pressure, you can set yourself at rest. There's always a Sabbath rest, which represents not that we... He said there's a Sabbath rest for every day, okay? Mm-hmm. Today, if today. Mm-hmm. In Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, you can get into that. Mm-hmm. So... One of the things that you see is that a Sabbath rest, you can walk in every day. That doesn't mean that you don't work, but you stay at home every every day. That means that you carry with you a rest of God in everything that you do. So if you are not feeling easy and light, then you are definitely not in that rest of God. Yeah. Okay. So it's an indicator. If it's hard and heavy, uh, it's an indicator that I'm not in easy and light, it means I'm not resting properly somehow, some way, in some form or function. Okay. So the first thing is having a mindset of rest, a mindset of that rest, and understanding that no matter what I see or what I face, I can rest in God because he's got me. Having knowledge and revelation of that and having rhema of that will help you rest. The second part of that is a physical rest. And one thing that I find in this society is that nobody, for the most part, observes the Sabbath to keep it holy. Um, And they actually rest. But you'll find that if we will rest, 
uh, God starts to do great and mighty things in, in on the Sabbath. So I'm talking about the physical Sabbath, not just a mindset of rest. Uh, the first place to start with rest is you need to have a whole day that's just given to God. Mm -hmm. That's just given to God. Mm -hmm. It's just given to God. It's not, even, uh, it's not even resting necessarily. You are resting your flesh, but the day should be God's. Um, it's, I'm resting in him. I'm not working. I'm not mowing the grass. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm giving it to him. And what that does is by doing that, you are sowing trust into God. You're sowing that trust into him. And you're saying, I don't have to keep working today because I'm trusting him to supply me throughout the rest of the week. And what you'll find is you'll start resting even throughout the week and you'll start accomplishing more because you're giving that day to the Lord. And so that it starts with actually having a Sabbath, you know, and having a day that is completely given to God. And then, uh, you know, one thing that you'll see is it is very important to work and work hard, but it's, it is ungodly to work in toil. So you don't want to move to the place where you are in toil. Toil was a part of the curse. It's not normal. A lot of people will call today hustle. Um, but the hustle can also be toil if you don't handle it properly. And you get over into toil, you're going to get burnt out. You're not going to rest. Uh, you see a portion of this even in Psalms 127 where it says, It is vain, it is pride to rise up early and to go to bed late. In other words, it's not wrong to rise up early. It's not, it's not wrong to go to bed late. But it's wrong to think that if I don't do this, I won't get ahead. You are looking at yourself as the source and not God. And so you've dethroned God as your source. And obviously that's going to wear you out because you're not anointed to be your source. So, That's good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's go back over to those guys. We, I think we had another question. That was such a good, like, boom, mic drop. It's ungodly to be in toil. <laughs> boom. Okay, we've got yeah. one more question. It comes from Jan, a.k.a. your mom. Miss Jan wants to know, why does the flow of tongues seem to flow so fluently when you are in the company of other people who are praying in tongues? Back to you. <laughs> well, there's a, uh, there is a corporate anointing, you know, when you have uh, people that come together. The Bible says, if two or more agree concerning my will, it shall be done. You see, I think it's Acts 16, maybe, where uh, Paul and Silas are in the jail, and they just start worshiping God together. Mm -hmm. And that yes. corporate anointing, liter now watch this, the other, the other inmates, mm -hmm. none of them were singing and worshiping, but their anointing and their flow in the Holy Spirit uh, actually caused all of them to be set free. Mm -hmm. He caused yeah. them all to be set free. Mm -hmm. So what happens yeah. is when, one, when two or more gather, Jesus says, there I am in the midst of you. Mm -hmm. And when they, when they gather, what you see is it's almost like a suction, you know, like a vacuum where uh, if certain people are going that way, it's easier for other people to flow in that way. Mm -hmm. And so in the spirit, it kind of works like that where you have people that are in agreement. All of a sudden, it becomes easier mm -hmm. uh, for everybody to move in that direction. Yeah. So think about this. What if, like with Paul and Silas, you know, two people can change the whole room, mm -hmm. right? Two people. What would happen if everybody in the room did that? Well, that then you have a situation like Acts chapter 2, mm -hmm. where they all were in one accord, mm -hmm. worshiping after the heart of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit fell and just blew out the place. Mm -hmm. So what happens if we all get our heart unified around glorifying God, mm -hmm. not on ourselves, not on the problems of the world, not on everything worldly, but we just glorified God together in unity, yeah. what could happen? And so think about that. But that's, to me, that's how it works when it's just easier to flow in it. But we want, here's the thing, it'd be better if all of us got better at flowing in that by ourselves. So in our prayer closet, going down the road, everywhere we go, we start praying and flowing in the Holy Spirit praying in tongues, worshiping God, singing in spirit, singing in a known, known language. If we all got better at that, yeah. uh, we were worshiping, praying without ceasing all the time, how much easier would it be and where could we go in the corporate? Mm 
Yeah. Right? So what we should do is not wait for the corporate to draw that out of us, but practice and prepare ourselves all 24-7 so that when we come together in corporate, it can explode in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well... We have one more question. We got so we got a question slipped in right there. I think it's the last. I think it's the last question of the day. Breaking news! New question in. Big Emergency! Joni asked, "Is it wisdom to wake up early to start your day, knowing that there is a lot to accomplish in that day, or is it still taking weight on yourself?" Great question, Joni. We're going to pass that back. <laughs> Well, Jesus had a custom of rising up early in the morning. So it's not, it's not wrong to rise up early in the morning. What's wrong is to take the heart of my rising up early is what's my source. You know, we should work and we should work hard, but we need to see, we need to recognize why are we doing this? What's the, what's the core of our being? What's our heart on this issue? Are we doing this just to get these things accomplished? In other words, are we toiling to get these things done? So rising up early by itself is not necessarily bad. Um, it's, it doesn't mean that everybody should do that all the time either. I think people jump into that and they, they try to make one thing a legalistic thing as to what works. Be led by the Holy Ghost. But if you find yourself doing that just to get your work accomplished, I would say I would focus more on, Lord, the work that I do. I ask that your hand be on it and bring in that supernatural anointing. Uh, bring in that supernatural anointing to get those things done. Now, you have to also recognize which ditch you come from. Uh, what would be your normal or your default? Would you normally be a person that always rises up early so that you get your work done? Or are you normally a person uh, that that doesn't care if you get up early? I'll get up when I get up. So if you're coming from the ditch of I don't care uh, what, I, what time I get up, you probably need to apply some discipline, right? And move back towards the center of that road. If you're, if you're always the person that would get up early and get it done, you probably need to be okay if the Lord says sleep in one day. So depending on where you're coming from, it's important for us to uh, come to the center of the road on that and not apply one thing or the other. And that's why a lot of times when I'm dealing with people, I'll see what is their defaults and I'll challenge them to come off of that because a lot of times our defaults become our source. We think that if I don't do it this way, it's not going to happen. And now that legalistic way of doing things becomes our source instead of trusting in the Lord. So yeah. that's good. That's good. I hope that answers your question. It depends on what your heart is in that uh, journey. So. We, well, we have another question that came in. <laughs> Barrett, yes. Barrett. Well, we had uh, Kyle Hughes just hopped on, and he wants to hear some practical hey, things for young people pursuing full-time ministry. I don't know if we're going to be able to hop into this today. Obviously, this is up to pastor no, on we'll, the spot we'll discretion. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, we're doing it right now. Whoa, it's happening. It's <laughs> happening. Good to see you, Kyle. And uh, I got your message. I've got to listen to it. So he left me a longer message than normal. So I was like, I need to be able to give this 100%. But anyway, I look forward to hearing it. Um, some advice and practical things for young people pursuing full-time ministry. Um, <laughs> don't pursue it. <laughs> don't pursue it. Let it happen. Serve. Serve. A lot of times, and here's why I say that. You can pursue it without pursuing it. In other words, look at Elijah and Elijah. Elijah served Elijah, and then all of a sudden he became the man. He became the man of God in the land. But the, the thing was, he, what made him that man? He had the heart that said, I'll never leave you. I will, I'm not, even when Elijah was telling him, leave me, he said, I will see you when I go. In other words, he was so uh, given 100%. I'm reminded of a Colossians 3.23, uh, do all things as unto the Lord. Um, so do everything as unto the Lord. So he wasn't looking at his spiritual resume down the road. He was completely given to Elijah. 
And the Bible says very clearly, if you uh, will not handle that which is another, how will I give you that which is your own? So a lot of times what happens is many people are trying to build their own ministry and uh, Jesus is saying, I'm the builder of that ministry, not you. I'm the builder of your house, going back to Psalms 127, verse 1 and 2. I'm the builder. I, I will build your house. He who tries to build his own house, he labors in vain who builds it. He says, I'm the builder. And so if you will give yourself wholeheartedly to what God has said to do, God will build your house. The issue that I've found is, most people don't have faith in God to build their house. And so they feel like at some point they have to slide out from that and on the side work to build their ministry yeah. instead of letting the Lord build it. And I find that many people are actually creating something that God didn't author. And if you'll notice in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, it says, even if I give my body to be burned or I give all my possessions to the poor and have not love... It profits me nothing. Well, Jesus also says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if we apply that, it says, if, if I don't do what only what God's commanded me, it won't profit me anything. So you can have some people that build this really big ministry, but God didn't build it, and they have zero profit in it. And so if you are after, Lord, I want to serve you to the best of my ability. I want to get in front of you and receive Matthew 25, uh, 33 or uh, 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. If that's your heart, which it should be your heart, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, if that's your heart, then the key is be about God's business and be 100% in where you are planted now and stop thinking about the future in a logical way. Let the yeah. Lord speak to you with prophetic words. Meditate on those words, but don't try to make them come to pass. Don't force the ball to the receiver. Stop worrying about a spiritual resume. Yeah. Let God build the house. Have faith that you can have no ministry, no ministry, no ministry. Look at Elijah. No ministry, no ministry, no ministry of his own, serving, serving, serving. He turns the corner one day over the River Jordan, and all of a sudden he's got this massive ministry as the prophet of God in the land. It happened in one day. One day he went from nothing to everything because he, he served 100% and he wasn't worried about tomorrow. See, even knowing that he was leaving, he said, I won't leave you. I won't leave you. And you see his heart there. That's yeah. what made him great. And so many young ministers are trying to make it happen, and they're really taught today to go out and hustle, which is what we just talked about. And they end up getting in toil and building something that God didn't have, and they don't have the patience or the faith to believe that God can build them something even greater and mightier than what they're serving. Uh, and so they'll, they'll, they don't trust that. And so yeah. they feel like they have to make it happen. That's a lie. And what that's really rooted in is fear. Um, it's fear. And I can tell you this is exactly what I've lived out because I had all those pressures. I even had people telling me to start my own ministry and do that. And we would not do it until the Lord said to do it. And it has been, that's one of the best things and decisions we've ever made. Even today, I mean, some people consider us to have a fairly large ministry, but even today, I don't think it's a large ministry. I th I'm, I'm appreciative for it. I esteem it, but I'm like, we're just getting started, you know? So there's a peer pressure to go and try to make new things happen and try to do, do new things. But no, you just hear from the Lord and you be obedient to that. Submit to the authorities that are in your life because they have the anointing for oversight in your life. And if they, I made a mistake one time. I had a word. It's actually a word we talk about today because it was a word from the Lord, the, those things that can't be shaken. And uh, I had, I got that word. I knew it was from the Lord. I knew it was from the Lord. And I went to my pastor and he said, I wouldn't share it. And I didn't listen. I, I, I wrongly shared that. And I shouldn't have. I look back at that. I'm like, God, Lord, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And because uh, truthfully, it didn't come, it didn't really come to full fruition until about 10 years later. But he said, I wouldn't share that. And I shared it anyway. I should have submitted. But that was me not trusting the Lord to build the house at the right time. And I should have done that. They have an anointing to oversee your life. 
And um, it's very important to pay attention to that. Like what that verse you said, it was Hebrews um, 13, 17. 13, 17. And, it, and it, read that real quick, Hebrews 13, 17. Yeah. Very, very important. So, yeah, amen. I, I have it right here. It Go says, ahead. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. One of the best verses in the Bible, honestly. And see, people will overlook that. They'll read that, oh, yeah, that's good. But then they won't live by that. If they'll live by that, and that goes back to even Psalms 82, 13, and 14, where it talks about being planted in the house of the Lord. Be planted and you will flourish in the courts of heaven. People overlook those things, and they don't realize how much they steal from their destiny because they don't want to submit. And we have to recognize in the American society, there, there's a thread of rebellion in our society. It's like, you're not going to tell me what to do, and I can do this myself. And you have to understand that it's good to be a go-getter when God has told you to go and get it. But if he hasn't told you to go and get it, and you're just assuming because you're trying to hustle, you're trying, you're getting out there, uh, you literally are in rebellion, and you have to be very mindful of that. So I hope that helps. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this that would be a good uh, a good excerpt to pull out and let people hear. But um, yeah, I'm planning on it. <laughs> I was you? thinking that too. I was, yeah. I was thinking that would of that, that would help a lot of people mm-hmm. because a lot of ministers they're being taught the wrong things. They're being taught just go do something. Mm-hmm. You know, no, be led by the Lord. Even Jesus, he never did anything mm-hmm. but what the Father did. He never said anything but what the Father said. So he was led by the Holy Ghost in everything. Yeah. And so how much more do we need to be led by the yeah, Holy Ghost and follow these commandments? So, yeah. Amen. And I've appreciated you guys, something that you guys have taught is um, there's the what and then there's the when. Mm-hmm. I was actually talking to Barrett about this, uh, I think yesterday or two days ago. And uh, in being was, led by God, mm-hmm. you've, you've got to hear what to do and you must hear when to do yes. it. Two different things and you've got to know those. You've got to know that you know. Yeah, because I was talking to her about it, and I'm like, I, I feel like doing this, but I almost felt a little bit of a pressure with it. Like, yeah. okay, I, I feel like I'm being led this way, but there's a pressure. And it was because I, I was getting the what, I think, but not yeah. the when. Yeah, yeah. Well, and a lot of times, the more you mature in the Lord, uh, He'll show you the what in advance. So the more you mature in Him, He's trusting you to see and start praying over that. So that you'll pray it out, you'll straighten up the road, get the trash out of the way, get avoid the pits, make his way, his path straight and smooth, right? Yeah. We do that through prayer. And so then when you get to the wind, it just falls into place. And so a lot of times people are not, they're not, they see the what and they think, oh, this is for me right now. And it's not for you right now, mm-hmm. it's for later. And many, many times that's actually what's happening. And many times, but because here's the thing, because they're not submitted to a leader that actually knows how. So first of all, you won't be submitted to a leader, but you won't be submitted to a leader who through faith and patience has is inheriting the promises. Most leaders in America are not seeing that and doing that, Mm -hmm. right? They're, they're hustling and they're seeing some things, but it's not really the promises of God if they're being successful. And many leaders are just not having that success at all at seeing the promises manifest. So they don't have a leader like that. Or if they do have a leader, they're not accessing it. So he would know, hey, that yeah, God's telling you to do that, but it's not right now. Yeah. It's not right now. And they're the ones with the responsibility to oversee, not yourself. You see, that's why they have oversight. So if I tell you, no, you don't need to do that right now, and I'm wrong, that falls on me, not on you. You're not responsible for that. So that's what, like when I put, posted that word I had, he was overseeing my life. I wasn't responsible for missing God if I didn't post it, which is the way I felt. He was responsible for that. I was under his authority and I posted it anyway, so I subverted his authority, and now I became responsible for my misstep. Mm-hmm. You see? So under when in his authority, when he told me not to post that word, if I didn't post it, if it was God to post it and I didn't post it, that's on him. Mm-hmm. It's not on me. Yeah. I'm still going to be favored because I was willing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still walking out. So I'm still in the blessing. Yeah. 
I'm still, that's, that's on him, not me. But, you know, I didn't know that then. So. <laughs> Amen. 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 Yeah, the what and the when, it, that's a big deal. And that's a teaching on being led that, we, that we've done. It's really, really important. So you see that like Abraham in uh, Genesis 12, you see that Abraham knew the what, go to a place mm -hmm. that I'll show you. And he knew the when was now. Mm -hmm. He didn't know the how. He didn't know the why. Yeah. He didn't know any of the details. But he had to know what to do and when to do it. And yeah. the what didn't have a lot of details. It just like go that direction, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. do that now. And so you can see by that that everything else is optional. And, and maybe the Lord shares it with you, maybe not, depending on the situation. But we have to know the what and the when. Most people just get the what and they go. Yeah. And they don't realize there's a timing to it. And you see that in, in, in that teaching. We go over that with uh, Jesus said, he even told his mom, he said, my time has not yet come. Mm -hmm. And then um, there was another time where they wanted to make him king and he wouldn't take that. There was another time when he, when he actually, they were getting ready to kill him. He was like, no, my time's not yet. Mm -hmm. There's a timing to that. Yeah. And you have to know and hear from the Lord what that is. So, mm -hmm. Amen. That's good. Amen. You're right. Barrett says learning this takes so much pressure. It does. It's crazy. It's easy in life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, amen. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this question and answer session. We'll do some more uh, on a regular basis. Thank you for your questions. That's awesome. Those are some really good questions yeah. and answers today. So, mm -hmm. amen. Good. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we just praise God for you. We'll be back tomorrow. If you would like to sow, you are welcome to. You can go to giveww.org. You can give on Facebook, Cash App, Venmo, uh, PayPal, uh, text to give. Uh, you can also uh, give even cryptocurrency and stuff like that. If you'd like to do that, you're welcome to do that. Everything is at giveww.org. You can see that. There's also information there on your screen. For anybody that's sowing and getting the good news out and getting uh, teaching and wisdom out on the gospel, uh, we want to pray over that and we want it to be blessed. So will y'all join with me and let's agree. Father, right now we just agree. Lord, everything that people sow, whether it be prayers, finances, sowing the broadcast by sharing and subscribing, Lord, whatever it is, how let it be blessed. Pressed down, shaken together, running over into their lives in Jesus' name. We praise you and we worship you and we give you all of the glory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let it be so exponentially, supernaturally multiplied and let that harvest come in supernaturally fast. We praise you and we thank you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. We love you so very much. Uh, they're going to wrap it up here for us. We hope that you've gotten a lot out of it. We'll be back tomorrow at 1130 with Lunch Plus. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. 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 Thanks for watching us today. We appreciate you being on the broadcast with us. Truly, your partnership is so encouraging to us, and we, we love each of you. So thanks for being on. Take the broadcast, share it. It's a good one. Yep. I'm ducking so that you can see our thank you yeah. message. Yeah, we, we thank mean it. you. It's real thank you for joining us today. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we have exciting. I'm going to lean like this. You're like crawling across the table. She's Sorry. that excited. So excited. <laughs> we have exciting news. August 22nd through the 27th, brother Ted Shadowsworth Sr. In the house. He actually will be in the house Sunday morning. Literally. <laughs> he will be here for a tent meeting in Albemarle. It is going to be amazing and we want you to be here. Guys, there's going to be miracles happening yeah. and it's going to be great. God has a miracle for you. So plan to be here. And as she said, August 22nd, 22nd? 22nd? In yeah. the mornings? In the morning? He's going to be here at Boomerang <gasps> yeah. Sunday morning. He doesn't ordinarily do that, but Brother Ted is yeah. going to be here at Boomerang, 10 a.m. that Sunday morning. So join us in the morning and then hop over to the tent at the YMCA Park yeah. for the rest of the week. It's going to be great. <laughs> we love you. Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow at 11.30 on the Lunch Plus broadcast. See you there. Bye.